0: Or you can find us at our website, madorachurch.com. It is our prayer that today's message inspires you, encourages you, and that the kingdom of God is advanced in your life. Let's get right to the word of the Lord today. Praise God. So good to be in the house of the Lord with you. John, it's good to see you and your friends. Good to have you tonight. Praise God. Amen. We miss your smiling face. Glad you're here. Glad you're here. Praise God. Amen. I want to take you uh, to the Word of the Lord this evening. And if you're a note taker, uh, you might want to go ahead and exercise your hand because I've got a lot of scriptures. Ain't that right, audio, video people? Amen. Praise God. You know I appreciate so much our media team, and how do you know how important they are? They can either make you want to listen or not want to listen, and so they're helping set the tone. And I appreciate that very much. Can you give our media staff a great big hand? Praise God and appreciate you being here today. Let's open our Bibles to the book of Mark chapter 16, the book of Mark chapter 16, praise God. I want to read a very familiar passage of scripture for those of us that have been in church for any length of time, but uh, I pray that it will help you and encourage you and strengthen you today, amen. John chapter 16, verse 23. And in that day ye shall ask me nothing. Verily I say unto you, Whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. Hitherto, or up to this point, have ye asked nothing in my name. Ask, and ye shall receive that your joy may be full. These things have I spoken unto you in Proverbs, but the time cometh when I shall no more speak unto you in Proverbs, but I shall show you plainly the Father. I will show you plainly the Father. And at that day ye shall ask in my name, and I say unto you, I will pray the Father for you. For the Father himself loveth you because ye have loved me and have believed that I came out from God and I came forth from the Father and am come into the world again. I leave the world and go to the Father. I want to talk to you about Jesus' name is the legal access to heaven. Jesus' name legal access to heaven heavenly father we come before you today we thank you father for your word and we pray you would have your way in this lesson tonight we pray that you would anoint lord the word to our hearts for the word is already anointed but we provide the soil with which we receive the seed of your word I ask you, God, if our hearts are hard, that we would get it softened. Lord Jesus, if we have, Lord, a a stony ground, we would remove the stones from our ground, thorny grounds, oh God, that we we would remove the thorns so that we can grow by your word. In Jesus' mighty name, let everybody say amen. God bless you. You can be seated. I want to talk to you tonight, my main focus, and I probably will continue this lesson next Tuesday night. My main focus tonight is talking about the power and purpose of prayer. Let me, let me just remind us how important prayer is. We're getting ready to go into a week of specialized prayer. I want you to know what to pray for and how to pray to get the will of God done in our life. When we enter the season of prayer and fasting for our nation, we need to know the power and also the purpose of prayer. I want to tell you that prayer has been reduced to a religious gimmick. Pray for me. I'm praying for you. You're in my thoughts and prayers. What does that mean? You're in my thoughts and prayers. Amen. If I don't think about you and I don't pray about you, it's a lie. Oh, my. Prayer is not some religious gimmick or some super holy trick. Prayer is a vital part in the function of God in his kingdom. Look what what Paul wrote to the Philippians in chapter 4 and verse 6. Everybody say, be careful for nothing. That is, don't be anxious for anything. But in everything... By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Prayer is the kingdom citizen's privilege. We're called to prayer. We are commanded to pray. Amen. Where the Bible says, pray without ceasing. Paul said, I would that men would lift up holy hands praying everywhere. Praying everywhere. There is nothing like prayer. Prayer. Prayer can be found in the falling of a tear, in the burden of a deep groan. Prayer can be the lifting of a voice in a shout or in perhaps a moment of soft whisper. Prayer can be the manifestation of the hidden burden, burden, burning fire of the heart or the soul's deepest desire. We find that Hannah in scripture is said to pray by pouring out her soul. That's passion. Paul and Silas cried out and sang praises to God in prison. In Daniel, he opened his window three times a day and prayed even though there was a death sentence over his life. Praying is what Elijah did as we heard Brother David talk about praying earnestly for rain. He prayed in the 120 in the upper room, prayed until the promise of the Father was poured out on Pentecost. Prayer is a part of the believer's breath. It's the believer's breath. It's how we enter into throne room. Amen. Jesus said men ought always to pray and not to faint. We need that today. We need to to pray and not faint. Paul taught the early church that we are to continue instant in prayer. In Colossians he said continue in prayer and watch the same with thanksgiving. In Jude verse 20 we find that we're to build up our most holy faith praying in the Holy Spirit, prayer goes where you cannot go. Prayer speaks to things that does not have the ability to listen. Prayer is how you tell walls to fall and mountains to be moved. Prayer is where you reach the unreachable circumstance that is in your life and the favor of God can come and change things. I want to be like the disciples. Lord, teach us to pray. Let me just tell you what prayer is not prayer is not a religious act prayer is not a religious act it is not a ritual or regulation prayer is not begging God to get what we want prayer is not meant to be a performance with pious words repeated over long times amen God is not some spectator that has to be impressed with our show prayer must be intense but it should not have a, 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 a pretense that we want to be seen and we want to be heard. Jesus said, when you pray, go in your closet. Amen. We need to have a reverence for prayer. Prayer is not a mystical uh, uh, speculation of words that I've got to put together just right. And if I don't get the words just right, he's not going to answer. Right. <clears throat> Amen. He's not a Pat Sajak waiting for you to figure out what's on the board somebody say amen. Amen. The Hebrew word word for prayer in scripture, the root word is the word Paula, which means to intervene, to interpose, to mediate, to judge, to intercede or to pray. Abraham prayed to God and God healed Abimelech and his wife so that they could have children in Genesis 20 and 17. Manoah entreated he, he, he made his petition before God. He entreated the Lord. Hannah, as we, as we talked about, prayed greatly distressed and prayed. She, that's the word, intercede, petition. Everybody say petition. petition. Jeremiah 29 tells us in, 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 in verse 12, Then shall ye call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. The ancient Hebrew defines this word as speaking to an authority, a petition that is speaking to authority. Prayer is not a religious act, but rather it is a legal act in the kingdom of God. Prayer is a legal petition that requires things in our life. And, and I want to talk about that next week in particular. But I want to talk to you about two things that you got to have to make a legal petition or a legal prayer. You have to have a documented governing authority that establishes the legal precedence for coming and presenting your pet- petition unto God. That is the word of God. We read the word of God and we see the word of God and it is the one thing that gives us the authority, the legal right to come before the court of heaven. Number two, you have to be in good standing or good relationship standing with the governing authority. A, a thief or a robber just is not going to the court and put his foot down and say, I want, I want to have my day in court. Because they're already hunting for him because he's out of order. You get what I'm saying? Well, let me put it in biblical terms with you. A legal petition of prayer is blocked when there is a broken relationship. There are sometimes you can pray all you want, blue in the face, until you get right with God, he's not obligated to answer that petition. Psalm 66, verse 13. Psalm 66, verse 13. The psalmist said, I will go into thy house with burnt offerings, and I will pay thee my vows, amen, which my lips have uttered, and my mouth has spoken. When I was troubled, I will offer unto thee burnt sacrifice of fatlings with incense of rams. He's coming before the Lord. He's going to offer these things so he can get into the presence of God. He said, I will offer bullocks and goats, Selah. Come in here, and all ye that fear God, and I will declare what he hath done for my soul. I cried unto him with my mouth, and he was extolled with my tongue this is the presentation of old testament understanding of prayer but look at verse 18 if i regard iniquity in my heart the lord will not hear me what is that saying i can't live any way that i want to and expect to be a prayer warrior i can't live with iniquity and sin in my heart and expect to come before the holy throne of god because god does not work that way The condition of our relationship will determine the status of our prayer being heard. Prayer is pleading our case before God in a legal manner, in a righteous manner. It is bringing our petition so God can move on earth, amen, from his throne in glory. Here's the dilemma, dear ones. God resides in a perpetual state of holiness, There's nothing around God's throne that is unholy. There's nothing in his presence that is unholy. Somebody say amen. God resides in a perpetual state of holiness and cannot meet with man in his state of sin. But aren't you glad that God had a plan to to heal a broken relationship? Jesus came to restore man's broken relationship with God. That's why he came. Redemption is a consistent theme that God has from Genesis to Revelation. Man's sin separated him from God. Adam and Eve was kicked out of the garden because of their sin. And man could not have a relationship with God until when you look at the Old Testament they have to sacrifice animals to make a way that they could come before the presence of the Lord. Every time they had to come before the Lord they needed to go through sacrifice or they had to go through a temple or they had to go through a priest to get their answer and the petition heard before God. Why? God is holy and he is righteous and man is not. So there has to be some kind of go between between man and God for there to be an answer Jesus Christ is the spotless lamb that met heaven's demand for all of mankind look at Ephesians chapter 2 Ephesians 2 and 14 for he is our peace speaking of Jesus Christ who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall or partition between us That gulf between us, having abolished in his flesh. Somebody say, in his flesh. flesh. The enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make himself of twain one new man, so making peace, that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. And verse 17 says... <coughs> and came to preach peace to you which were afar off and to them that were nigh, for through him. We both have access by one spirit unto the Father. So we find that sin separated man. Jesus came as redemption plan and in his flesh destroyed the gulf between us, that sinful nature, amen, so that we can be reconciled with God by what his body did on the cross and then resurrected on the third day. For by him, everybody say, by Jesus, by Jesus, we have access. By Jesus, we have access. You know what Jesus said? This verse of scripture makes people really rile up. I mean, it, it causes some folks to have convulsions. John 14 and 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Listen to this, no man cometh unto the Father, but by me. Jesus said, I am your access to heaven. You can't get to heaven, but through me. Jesus is not a way. He is the way. He said himself, I am the way. I am the way. Paul said to the Romans in 11 and 36, for of him and through him, and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. For of him he is the origin and through him he is the agent and to him he is the goal. Salvation begins with Jesus. He's the channel with which it flows because of what he did at Calvary. He then is the ultimate goal that I have a reconciled relationship with Jesus Christ. So Jesus is both the object and the access of our relationship to God. Salvation begins with Jesus and relationship continues with Jesus. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> Paul addressed this beauty, this relationship beauty, in, 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 in the scriptures when he said that God was manifest in the flesh. 1 Timothy 3, 16. Jesus, John 1 says, was the word made flesh. Spirits, listen to this, spirits do not have legal authority to pray on earth. I don't know of any scripture where it talks about angels or demons praying on earth. The only thing that has legal authority to pray on earth is a human body that encases a soul and a spirit. (laughs) that ought to make somebody shout and hoop a little bit because a devil does not have authority over you to pray over you or an angel to pray over you but rather it is your prayer that has the legal right to get to heaven the gospel refers to Jesus as being very prayerful matter of fact 32 times we find him praying in the gospels Jesus modeled prayer in Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 7 it says Who in the days of his flesh, everybody say his flesh. When he had offered up prayers and supplication with strong cry and in tears unto him who was able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared. You will find that Jesus prayed. He prayed with authority and then he acted with authority. Jesus prayed in in, in, in the presence of people, and by himself he prayed, and then he did miracles and signs and wonders. Matter of fact, Mark's gospel, as Matthew and Luke also does, but in Mark's gospel, the religious leaders, the Jewish religious leaders, after Jesus performed a miracle, they looked at him and they asked this question, by what authority doest thou these things? By what authority doest thou these things? Mark 11, uh, 27 through 33, if you want to read it later. Jesus, they recognized, was healing people, Delivering people, raising the dead by an authority. You see, you can't do those things without authority. You have to le- have a legal access of some way to do it. They called him a, 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 a sorcerer. They called him a wine-bibber. They called him a, a Beelzebub and, and all that thing. That, but, but what they really got mad about was his ability to heal when he wanted, how he wanted, and who he wanted. Yeah, right. Let me show you a story. That illuminates this. Oh, praise God. Man, there's a preacher in me who wants to get out, but I'm going to I'm gonna try to slow down and teach tonight. Y'all going to help me? John 5. John 5. Get your Bibles open to it. John 5. You can look on the screen, but that's a courtesy. John 5 and 5. A certain man was there which had an infirmity 30 and 8 years. When Jesus saw him lie and knew he had been a long time in that case, he said unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I'm coming, another steppeth down before me. And Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. The Jews therefore said unto him that was cured. It's the Sabbath day. It is not lawful. It is not legal for thee to carry thy bed. How how demented you got to be to look at somebody and say... You're carrying your bed. You're breaking a religious law. Now the guy has been been lame for all this time, but now all of a sudden it's okay unless you're going to carry your bed. These folks were messed up, y'all. These religious Jews were messed up. There's a wide range of reaction in Scripture to this miracle. Some were thrilled. Some were glad. Some were mad. Some were impressed, and some cussed. Look at John 5, verse 16. Therefore, did the Jews persecute Jesus? And the story continues and sought to slay him because he had done these things on the Sabbath day. How dare him break our protocol? How dare him mess up our tradition? He does not have the right. He doesn't have the authority. That's not how miracles are done. The water's got a trouble, and you got to go drop into the water before you can be healed, and that's not how we do it around here. Jesus, though, operated in authority that they had yet to understand. How does he respond to this? Look at verse 17. But Jesus answered them, my father worketh hitherto, and I work. Mm-hmm. Therefore the Jews sought more to kill him, because not only had he broken the Sabbath, but look at this, but said also that God was his father, and here's why they were mad, making himself equal with God. They wanted to kill him more. wanted to get a hold of him more. Now you've done it, Jesus. Not only did you break the Sabbath, but now you're saying you're equal with God. Jesus is saying, my father works in the miraculous, I work in the miraculous. He is saying, I work with my father the same work that he does. He works on the Sabbath, I work on the Sabbath. <laughs> when he moves in the miraculous, I'm going to move in the miraculous. I'm doing what my father is doing. And so he teaches them a little lesson. Let's go into verse 19. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of himself but what he seeth the Father do. For what things soever, now he's already equated himself with God in their eyes. He grinds the truth even deeper. The Son can do nothing of himself but what he seeth the Father do. For what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise." For the Father loveth the Son and showeth him all things that himself doeth. And he, was, he will show him greater works than these, that ye may marvel. For the Father raiseth up the dead and quickeneth them, even so the Son quickeneth whom he will. If you'll study the prayer life of Jesus and what it examples to us, is that Jesus prayed long hours with the Father. Because the whole example is to show us the miraculous happens in intimacy. Please don't equate your prayer to your minute miracle that you need. Prayer comes when you're learning who Jesus is. Prayer, we learn what, what God is all about. We learn who the Father is. We learn about Jesus. Amen. Amen. We will find that Jesus, remember, he's answering their question of authority. He's showing them how prayer is where he learned to execute God's given authority. If you think that statement had messed them up, jump down to verse 26. Follow this closely with me. (coughs) I feel a lot better than I sound, (laughs) y'all. Amen. And again, no COVID here. Thank the Lord. (coughs) Praise God. Look at John 5, verse 26. For the Father hath life in himself... So hath he given to the Son to have life in himself. Understand what Jesus has said to his disciples in our text where he says, I've talked to you in parables. I've talked to you in parables. This whole thing is about a parable of understanding to see a greater revelation that would come. He said in verse 27, look at this. Let me read verse 26 again. Let me go back there. For the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given the Son to have life in himself. And hath given him authority to execute judgment. He's given him authority to rule, to have jurisdiction in the sphere of authority, amen, that he has given to him. Look at this line. And if you miss anything that I've said, don't miss this. Look at this last line. Because he is the son of man. Because he is the son of man. Will you stay with me for a moment? Amen. Mark that. Remember that. He did miracles. He operated in authority. He operated on earth in authority because he was the son of man. Anybody ready to shout? Galatians 4 and verse 4. But when the fullness of time was come... God sent forth his son made of woman. Everybody say flesh. Made under the law to redeem them that were under the law, that he might re- that we might receive the adoptions of sons. And because ye are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father, wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son of a son than an heir of God through Christ. Jesus was the son of God and the son of man. Jesus was the Son of God and the Son of Man. He was God manifest in the flesh, which means he was deity, and he was flesh because he was the seed of woman, made of woman. Amen. Therefore, he is the Son of Man. As the Son of Man, made of woman, made under the law, the legal order of God, he came to redeem those, amen, that were under the legal order of condemnation and separation so that we could receive the legal adoption of sons and pray, Abba, Father. Ah. Oh, praise God. (laughs) Now, we know the Bible teaches us there's one God. Everybody say there's one one God. That is a consistent teaching through the Old Testament. It is as well in the New Testament. But what the New Testament ushers in is the New Testament, New Covenant that we find the word becoming flesh we find that 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 god robes himself in flesh he is god but he is also man let me show you what the bible says first timothy 2 and verse 1. are you with me have i lost you all right some of y'all are on a little bit further back back there but y'all come on 1 Timothy 2, I exhort you, therefore, look what he's talking about. First of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving thanks of man be made for all men. You need to bring your legal petition to the Lord for all men. Then he says, for kings and for all that are in authority. And here's the key, I think, for your voting. That we may lead a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and honesty. Somebody say, that's my motto for voting. Motto for voting. Uh-huh. I, I, I want as much as possible for there to be peace, amen, in our nation. <clears throat> then he says in verse 3, this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth what is the knowledge of the truth look at verse 5 for there is one god somebody say there's one god there's one god and then he says and one mediator between god and men the man christ jesus you see sin had separated us from the holy presence of god so we could not legally access the throne room or the courtroom of heaven to present our petition without a sacrifice so god roped himself in flesh the bible said he took upon the form of the servant and came among men and became as it were like unto men yet without sin so that he might be the spotless lamb the lamb with that was with Without blemish without without any kind of of a contaminant contaminant of any sort he came to be the one to reconcile us back to god you see there had to be a legal authority to bring to us redemption an angel couldn't bring to us redemption amen uh, god said i can't come to where you are because there's a great gulf between us so what did he do he had a plan he had had a plan that was wrapped up in a lamb, a plan that was wrapped up in God's manifestation of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus came to be the go-between. I said, Jesus came to be the go-between between us and heaven's court. For all the old testament you prayed by sacrifices and a high priest that stood in between for you and every time you needed something you couldn't just say oh lord i need something you had to go get your dove had to go get a lamb had to go to the temple stand in line no drive-through service there stand in line get the lamb slain for you so that you can get your prayers answered because God is in heaven and he cannot come to where earth is, but rather he robed himself in flesh so we can say he came to me. When I could not go to where he was, he came to me. He made a way in the man, Christ Jesus, in the flesh, in the one made of woman. Hallelujah. He came so that he might be the go-between between unholy man and a holy God. Again, what does it say? There's one God and one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. Jesus came so we as humans can somehow make our way by God's mercy and grace into his presence by what Jesus did. 2 Corinthians 5, 18. Ride with me a little longer. 2 Corinthians 5 and 18. For all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself and how did he do it? By Jesus Christ. And hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation, reconciliation to wit that God, to wit that God was in Christ reconciled the world unto himself. Oh, hallelujah. Ephesians, look again. Uh, we, we read this earlier. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. And I want you to jump to verse 16. That he might reconcile both unto God in one body, speaking of his flesh, by the cross, which he did on the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you which were afar off, couldn't have access. And to them that were nigh. But look at verse 18. Verse 18 says, but through him we both have access. Through him we have access. When Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and the only way to get the Father, he is saying you had no legal access to heaven until the Lamb was slain on Calvary. You had no legal right to pray until Jesus came. Hallelujah. Remember, prayer is a legal action of being a petition or stating a case before heaven's court. You will find that there must be a legal authority by which you come and present yourself. Look at Acts chapter 4. I want to give an example of this. In Acts chapter 4 and verse 7. Peter and John had walked into the temple, had healed a lame man that had been lame for many years, and he was up walking, and leaping, and praising God. And again, the religious folks got mad. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, look at this question they asked them. By what power or by what name have you done this? How are you practicing this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man by what means he is made whole be it known unto you and to all the people of israel and he says the key here by the name of jesus christ of nazareth whom you crucified Whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Then look at what he said. Look at what he said. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be see, must be saved. Salvation is accessing the name that has been given to us whereby redemption comes. He said by the power of Jesus Christ by the name of Jesus Christ this man is healed. I'll tell you even something else. If you want to be saved, if you want to be born again you have to get the access name. You have to get the name that gives you access to heaven. You have to be in the name that opens opens up the door of heaven. Your good works are not going to save you. Your Bible quote won't save you. Knowing everything about the scripture won't save you. But when you come in the name of Jesus, the book of Acts chapter 3 says, whom the heavens must receive. You can say, I come in the name of Medora Pentecostal Church in heaven and we'll just brush you aside. I come in the name of Aunt Sally. I come in the name of a holy prayer warrior. I come in the name of of Donald Trump. (laughs) I come in the name of this one and that one. I come in the name of Rockefellers. And I come in the name of Rothschilds and Kennedys. I come in the name of great, great statesmen. Heaven will just blink and just simply turn you away. There will be no access. But when you come to heaven and you go before the court of glory you have a name that is an access when you say I come in the name of Jesus it is the name of salvation that opens up the door no wonder Peter said then repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins There's something very important about this name. Something very important about his name. Throw up John 3, and let's begin with verse 16. That's the verse we know real well. John 3, 16. Say it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, But have everlasting life. A lot of people just stop there. But read on. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world. But that the world through him, our mediator, might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already. Because he hath not believed, what? In the name. Of the only begotten Son of God. The name of Jesus is the access name that we must have. So, This is why Jesus looked at his disciples and he said in verse 24 of our text, hitherto have you asked nothing in my name. You have not had to ask anything in my presence, but I'm going away. Where are you going? I'm going to be the mediator between man and God, the man Christ Jesus. Hallelujah, the man Christ Jesus stands between my need and heaven's answer." he said in verse 26 in our text and that day you shall ask in my name and i say not unto you that i will and i say not unto you that i will pray the father for you for the father himself loveth you because he loved me praying in jesus name is more than a statement to be said at the end of prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. In Jesus' name, amen. In Jesus' name, amen. We say that out of repetition, not knowing really what we're trying to do. Praying in Jesus' name is praying in the legal authority that gets me to heaven's court. Prayer. Is how I, in the physical, visible world, can reach into the invisible world and stand before God and plead my case. But I can't do that illegally and expect an answer. Next week, we're going to talk about how how we need to be legal in using the name of the Lord. I want to hit it just a little bit. I want to hit it a little bit. But I want to talk to you about prayer being in the name of Jesus. It's the only legal way to come. You cannot, I know, I don't wanna burst anybody's bubble or offend anybody. My dad one time prayed for a a sister that had opened her heart to a demonic spirit. Prayed for her and the Lord delivered her. And her husband who used to be a preacher told my dad a story he said we took her to a certain certain church used to be a strong jesus name believing church and they began to pray for her and trying to cast that spirit out of her and yet they prayed in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit we adjure you to come out do you know what i'm telling this story because i know it's true i heard it directly that spirit and that woman laughed at them. The seven sons of Siva in the book of Acts that went about casting out, trying to cast out devils, and they said, in the name of Jesus who Paul preached, and the spirits turned on them. Why? They did not have the life in relationship to back up the name they were using. That's why if I don't have a relationship with him through redemption doesn't mean I'm perfect No, I wouldn't have to pray if everything was perfect. But I need a legal access to heaven, and I do that by praying in, in his name. The Greek word in here is a primary preposition denoted fixed position, a place, time, or state. It means giving oneself wholly to that. Giving oneself wholly. Amen. So when I pray in the name of Jesus, I am saying I give myself wholly to jesus to his character to his will to his way to his word to his authority to his essence i don't just say in the name of jesus and go on i must understand that this legal authority comes when i give myself wholly to him Strong's when he says name it's an interesting phrase when he says in the name, Strong's dictionary puts it like this the name is used for everything which the name covers, everything, the thought or feeling which is aroused in the mind by mentioning, hearing, remembering the name, one's rank, one's authority, one's interest, one's pleasure, one's commandment, one's excellence, deeds and so forth. Amen. What is it saying when I say I pray in the name of Jesus? I'm praying in his rank. I'm praying to him as mediator. As the man, Christ Jesus, stands in mediation for me, he is my goal but Because he is my spotless savior. Praying in Jesus' name is more than just simply saying, In the name of Jesus. Going on. I'm not saying that you shouldn't do that, but I think when you pray and you use the name of Jesus, it ought to have its depth and importance connected to it. Praying in Jesus' name is recognizing, I want what he wants. I don't pray, God, give me, bless me, I want to, I want to, want to, give me, give me, give me, my name is Jimmy. I want to have my way and my way in the name of Jesus. Huh. And we wonder why our prayers aren't answered. Because we haven't stopped for a little bit and say, Lord, let me know what your will is. Lord, let me know what your way is. I'm going to pray in the will and the way of God. I'm going to pray in his name. And I guarantee you, I know he will answer and he will work. I'm not going to tell him how to work, but he will get the job done for me. When I pray in Jesus' name, I am praying his will, not mine. When I pray in Jesus' name, I'm agreeing to his word, his will, and his viewpoint, not mine. When I pray in Jesus' name, some of y'all the next week, you're gonna pray, oh Lord, let me vote according to how you want to. But I'm gonna listen to Fox News to get my opinion. I'm gonna listen to CNN to get my opinion. Amen. I don't have a right to a political opinion. I have a right to call on the name of Jesus and say, oh Lord, will you show me what your way is? Lord, will you show me what your will is? Hallelujah. I know that went over like high heel tennis shoes. Amen. But I still believe it is true. You've got to pray in the character and the authority, not what I want. What, what do you want, Lord? Praying in Jesus' name is surrender to his ways, not mine. Praying in Jesus' name is to make him owner, ruler, and master. Praying in his name is saying, you're Lord over all my life. Hallelujah. There's power when you pray in his name, but there's also a price to be paid when you pray in his name. I want to tell you how important it is, and this is going to lead us to next week's lesson from Colossians chapter 3 and verse 17. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of Jesus. In the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. I was praying, playing golf not too long ago, or not too many years ago, with a good friend, somewhere north, south, east, west of here. Uh, but I was playing with him, and it was, it was one of those days for him left, right, left, in the water, in the rough. And he hit his ball in the water and as it was flying towards the water and it bloop, went in, he said, in Jesus' name. I said, what? The Bible said, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of Jesus. Okay, I get that. But when he didn't throw his club, when he didn't cuss and swear and fume and fuss, Then, Brother Joe, he was doing it in the name of Jesus. You see what I'm saying? Praying in his name means I'm praying in his character. I'm praying in his reputation. His purpose. His majesty. Hallelujah. Would you stand with me, please? Again, prayer is not a religious practice. but rather it is where we conduct legal transaction between us and heaven. The first thing that we must consider in prayer is, Lord, will you tell me your will? If I don't know your will, I don't know how to pray. Will you show me who you are? I wanna know his character. I don't just learn his character, Bishop, by the word. I've gotta learn it through communications with him in prayer. What you think about this, Lord? How would you handle this? What's going on in this? Have you ever prayed and felt like your prayers were hitting a brass sky? It might be that you need to check and see if you're praying legally or illegally. The Bible says, one of the commandments is that we're not to take the Lord's name in vain. I'm sorry, it's not, that's, not, not just, that's not just cussing. Uh, you took the Lord's name and you said a certain word or a certain phrase. Taking his name in vain is to take it without legal precedent and using it for your own selfish gain. That's taking his name in vain. So when I come to God in prayer and I want to meet somewhere in heaven's courtroom, I pray in the name of Jesus and my mediator takes that prayer into the courtroom and he stands and pleads my case in heaven's courtroom and then he flips and switches on, amen, his royal robes of glory and as God stands there and makes the verdict, hallelujah, hallelujah, You see, us carnal people, us fleshly minded people cannot comprehend God. But yet he gave us the understanding that if I pray and plead my petition in, according to, closely with, in the name of Jesus, he promised he'd hear me. Hallelujah. Well, pastor, I prayed and this didn't happen and that didn't happen. It may not have been his will. I'm telling you, it just may not it have been his will at that time in that way. But when you pray in the name of Jesus, you can be sure that you are getting the legal access you need to heaven for God to move on your behalf right here on earth. Come on and pray right now. Come on, let this in your spirit. <laughs> Dot .com to learn more about our ministry.